Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer. So today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Sonny Harjali to the show. What's up there, Sonny? What's going on, Keith? Thank you for having me. Well, thanks, dude, for uh, for joining me here. And uh, this is going to be a great conversation. I've um, I've certainly been following you, uh, Sonny, for uh, for many years on the forums. I, I think a lot of folks might remember you as uh, Sonny X or the uh, the yep. rimless uh, reef guy. But um, just a little bit more background on, on Sonny. He's been reefing now for 25 plus years. His uh, systems have always favored carbon dosing, and we'll certainly um, talk about that tonight for um, you know leveraging bacteria for coral growth. He started experimenting with carbon dosing back in 2004 and around 2007. He helped it gain some traction in the hobby. He was also featured in Coral Magazine at the time as well as many other online and physical publications due to his success with carbon dosing. The systems he set up have been featured as tank of the month on all the big sites, Reef Central, Reef to Reef, and others. For a time, he had a coral company up and running. Uh, a lot of folks might remember Pro Corals, which released some classic corals such as the PC Rainbow. I've got the PC Rainbow. And uh, I've also got the PC Superman table, another favorite of mine. So uh, you, you may also recall seeing Sonny's, um, yeah, very well-known rimless reef tank. And today, Sonny chronicles his reef keeping journey via the website, reefsite.com. So before we start chatting with Sonny, I just want to thank the sponsor for this show, both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. Really appreciate them supporting the live stream and the show. They also appreciate all you folks out there tuning in. So don't forget, hit that like button. Got to hit that like button so more people can uh, find the uh, the stream. And while you're at it, uh, if you haven't already subscribed to the channel, that would be awesome. I appreciate it. We're getting very close to 20,000 subscribers, so um, you can taste it. Very, very, uh, very close. So... Um, yeah, I see there's a bunch of folks already in the in the live stream and and um, as usual comments and questions are always welcome. It'd be great to have this um, be an interactive discussion to um, to make it a lot more engaging and, and um, interesting and fun. So Sonny man, um, you know I mentioned that you were uh, you've been in the hobby for 25 plus years. How did how did it all start for you in terms of this reef keeping journey? Uh, well, uh, six years old, I got into just a standard freshwater, um, started doing that and, uh, got into a few different things, started doing some, um, South American, you know, aquariums, uh, with Oscars, Jack Dempsey's, things of that nature, um, stepped it up a bit with the African cichlids as I, uh, got a little older and then, um, yeah, about 13, 14 years old, got into a reef tank, um, was, uh, was in school. They had one set up with just some basic clownfish small anemone and kind of bit me bug bit me right there <laughs> and then from that on i just devoured every uh you know publication every, any book i could get a hold of and uh just dived right in it was i mean as you know from back in those days there wasn't a whole lot out there um to really look at online or to see especially in the you know early to mid 90s so kind of grew up uh, from there in the hobby and uh just kind of threw stuff at the wall and you know see if it sticks sort of thing uh, Peter T uh, says, I recognize that tank. I've been using Sonny's do it yourself coral snow, which we were talking about before the live stream. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the, uh, the coral snow. Um, 
Did you have anybody that uh, you tried to emulate in terms of a, a veteran reef keeper? Was there was you know you mentioned you did a lot of reading and, and what have you, but was there anyone in particular that you tried to mimic their methods? You know, I, I even now and back then, you know, I took a lot from all the reefers around me. I try to take a small piece from everybody. You know, one person may have a particular method with their lighting. One person may have something particular with their feeding, with their flow. And try to take little bits and pieces of everybody's successes and make it my own. Uh, so, you know, on Reef Central, I'd follow certain guys. I don't know if you remember, um, like JBNY. Yeah. yeah. Joe Berger. And, yep. He had a beautiful. Yep. Joe Berger. He had a beautiful setup. Loved his. Um, Mountain Dew Man. You remember Mountain Dew Man? He was uh, yeah. for the longest time. He was on the cover of the Reef Crystals, on the little box. Yeah. That old school oh, picture. Okay. Uh, yeah. Rob Cyan. Uh, Rob's. He had a beautiful. I think it was a 90 gallon aquarium. Um, there's your aquariums as well, you know, looking at your things and kind of taking a little bit from everybody kind of learning and following the process. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's interesting. It just, you, you get, um, when you do all that, um, research on it and try to like learn up and bone up on the, um, on the, on the different methods to use for reef keeping, you do see certain tanks that just kind of catch the eye and, um, yep. Yeah, it's sort of like natural to be like, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna try to, um, I'm gonna try to like mimic those methods and and try to, you know, replicate that success. Yeah. And that's always a, it's a good thing. I always think in this hobby for for people that are just starting out or people that um, kind of want to take it to the next level is to try to find mm -hmm. that mentor, so to speak. It doesn't have to be somebody that um, you know you actually uh, talk to or um, you know get get advice from, but if, at least if you um, kind of follow that person whether it's on social media or wherever they're they're writing articles or what have you it's it's a um it's a lot of information that you can kind of take in and that's always a um i think a valuable thing especially these days where there's a lot of different uh opinions out there a lot of noise and social yeah. media can kind of get a little distracting yeah i, I try to you know I, I do have the instagram page and i've got the facebook page where i'll post and put things on there but i've kind of shied away from some of the um groups on there and posting um this seems to be like you said there's a lot of a lot of noise out there uh, for lack of better terms um where you know you may present something out there and get a lot of f flack or um certain feedback that um isn't really conducive to conversation so yeah it uh sometimes you gotta like know what to, not to uh pay attention to <laughs> So right. man, you uh, pro corals. That was like an awesome little uh, you know operation you had going on. How how did that um, kind of emerge from from you know you were obviously a, a hobbyist and and you kind of uh, you turned it, you kind of turned uh, pro so to speak, right? Turned yeah, into a business. Yeah, I uh, yeah I had that larger tank. I think it was a two twenty five in wall. The um, reef tank uh, tank of the month out there at Reef Central back in 06. Uh, let me see. I got a, you got you sent me a picture of that here. That's it right there. That's a lot of people probably recognize that tank. Yeah, that was a that was a really nice setup. Um, metal halides, um, you know, five foot by three feet. Had two of those Luminarch threes in there. Ran mm -hmm. XM 10Ks and then XM 20Ks for a while. Uh, some VHO lighting, you know, that beautiful blue glow. And so had that tank going. Took it down uh, in favor of something smaller. Life was getting busy, so that's when I set up that hundred gallon rimless. I'd also been looking around and wanted to try something new. You know, you go from tank to tank and you just want to evolve and not kind of do the same thing over and over again. So I was really getting interested in what the Germans were doing with their aquariums and the way they had things set up. And also the Japanese with some of the bonsai style yeah. of their setups, more so with the freshwater. And, you know, hey, why don't we 
take something and maybe incorporate that look, that clean, you know, negative space um, into a reef aquarium. You weren't really seeing too many of them back then. So, yeah, that was about 06. I decided to move everything over to that setup. Now, taking down the much larger tank, I had a lot of corals that I had to, you know, offload. And uh, just, you know, started selling them here or there, you know, 20 bucks a frag, 30 bucks a frag. And, uh, you know, quickly had a bunch of money coming in, enough so to to fund the the new setup entirely. And uh, so I set up the other tank, had that going, and that was still in the back of my mind, you know, concerning the sale of the corals and growing them. And I, you know, do it quite well at the time. And so when the 100 gallon was set up and it was doing well and it kind of started growing out, I I had quite a bit of demand uh, from people who wanted corals for my setup. I'm showing, I'm showing the hundred gallon rimless right now. Yep. I think it was specifically more so that, especially back then, um, you know, Oh six, Oh seven. Um, yes, you know, a lot of local fish stores had corals, but there weren't a lot of online shops. You know, I can only name name a few maybe. What, what year was this? This is like Oh five. Yeah. It It was like reefer madness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Reefer Madness uh, is the, the tire- bomb, man. Yeah, they were. Yeah, you know some of the Tyree stuff. You'd have to get on a long yeah. list. Um, I think Garf also had some stuff going yeah. on as well. So there weren't many avenues. And who was the other one out in LA? Was it ATL? They had some beautiful yeah. corals. Shades of Fall. Yeah. And a few of those other yeah. uh, strawberry fields. Yes. Some beautiful things. And so I guess more so than anything, people wanted corals from somebody that um, somebody they trusted and corals that were aquacultured and knew that they weren't going to die. You weren't going to spend all this money on something, you know, it's something that's been tested. It's been in the system and more so it's guaranteed to do well in your, in your environment. So, so. um, well, pro corals, uh, the, um, uh, one of my, um, a compl- uh, uh, PC rainbow, PC rainbow. You said yep. uh, to me before when we were talking before the, um, or earlier this week, I think that there was an interesting story behind that coral. Yeah, yeah, that coral, oh, I got it off a, uh, it, it came in on a, on a rock. and It came um, in on a rock? Yeah, it came in on, like off the side of a rock. Wow. I was starting to import starting to import corals, and we were getting them, you know, coming in uh, fresh out of the box, which was a whole new experience in itself. I mean, you get these corals, they're, you don't know what's in there. You know, you dip all these, you know, maricultured corals that are on these um, little bases. Yeah. Yeah. So you dip all this stuff and like the whole ocean crawls out of these things, <laughs> all sorts of creatures you've never seen before. But yeah, this, this thing was just on the side of a, one of the uh, maricultured rocks and, um, sat in my tank forever. Didn't do much. Um, I don't even know how I noticed it. It just started to pop out of the, uh, rock work. And then one day it just, you know, moved it over to the right location. It was, I believe after I switched from metal highlights to T fives uh-huh. that it really started to grow. It you know took on a red coloration and then started to develop these other colors that you see today. It is a gorgeous coral. You know, it's like my colony. I've got a huge colony of it in one of my uh, display tanks. You know, it's pretty much all red. You know, bright red. Yeah. But then when I uh, when I take frags of it and I put it in my frag tank, it will mm-hmm. develop kind of like that rainbow of colors, uh, the green and yeah. kind of like the yellowish at the at the base when it's starting to encrust. So it's pretty yep. wild that um, it looks so different as a colony for for me at least versus like frags once they start encrusting. Yeah, mine. Uh, it's it's kind of finicky with like you said, moving around. I know my colonies. I've got a few in this system now. Uh, and it's really hard to get it exactly right because I've got one, you know, maybe in the upper right hand 
um, section of the aquarium where it's just all red. There's very little other coloration, any rainbow in it. And but then the one in the center, you know, it's got the classic colors uh, going in there. So it's it's kind of hard to gauge exactly where you need it in the system. But some corals are like that. And the um, another one of my favorites from you is the uh, the PC Superman table. Yeah, that thing, you know, it came in on a it was an, um, a wild um, box that came through and it came from Australia, I believe, of all places. Um and you know we knew we had a hit as soon as we opened that box up and i saw it and that's it's just incredible i've got an original picture on the reef site website of the mother colony it's really cool uh i mean that thing just came out just you know beautiful how do you right out of the how box. Do, so you know when when back then when you're importing coral as you mentioned you were dipping all the um you know like the maricultured stuff and and what have you but obviously acroating flatworms you know you got the eggs and, and what have you were you snipping like those uh, corals yep. off of the bases yep. and dipping and yep. yeah yeah we were dipping taking all the bases off um you know later on the uh rainbow you know had been on one of the bases that we had kept in one of the quarantine systems uh, because there were some corals that we would keep back there, but anything that went into the displays or was going to be sold was moved into a into a separate system. It wasn't anything really massive, um, you know. In the beginning, it was um, eight foot by four foot, you know, one foot high aquarium where we would list everything out, kind of stage them of how we should buy and sell them. You know, maybe not too different than what you do now, because I I know that you sell them as well. You've got quite a few nice pieces. I believe I purchased some stuff from you years ago. Oh, really? yeah nice colony yeah it was it was a while ago but yeah um so did you like have to uh rent some space or did you do all this out of the house i did everything out of the house really yeah yeah i think the 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 biggest issue i had was never having enough corals uh you'd you'd get the stuff in and you know it'd, it'd be gone and you'd have waiting lists and you know just people just always wanted the corals so this was all basically born from breaking down that uh that larger tank yeah, broke down a larger tank, and then just I started just getting corals, you know, shipping in. And the one of the largest sources of corals, believe it or not, was just locally. Uh, you know, it's you know this. I mean, it's, I have a problem right now. I've got corals I don't know what to do with. Yeah. Because the things yeah. are growing so quickly, and you know, it gets to the point where it's a pain because you have to go in there and frag them just to maintain the aesthetics. And you know, you start asking around, and there's plenty of people who have these incredible, you know aquariums and they have grow out sections in their basement so there i had quite a few local suppliers as well um and you know you know i'm sure you know todd and his, and brett over at cherry corals yeah. i've known those guys forever they they're right down the street from me so there's a lot of hobbyists and everybody was kind of drawn from the same well because they were coming up right around the same time so what are you doing these days man i mean when you got excess corals you just bring in cherry corals or you like uh selling stuff and often they uh on the side or trading yeah i don't don't really sell anything nowadays. I've got quite a few people who are getting into the hobby. And so I just, you know, give them away to them, let them get started, let them, you know, get going. Um, probably pretty soon. I know I'd mentioned it a few times on my Instagram site, just start offering up stuff. You know, if some reefers want to pay for shipping, I'm just going to get them out there, get them moving out to the people. Um, I, I think that's, it's, it's good. Um, especially as expensive as this hobby yeah. is. It's nice yeah. to give others opportunity. That's uh, awesome. Man. Where that's awesome. Otherwise they wouldn't be able to get them. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I was going to ask you, so you, there was a, you took a large break from the hobby. Do you mind sharing what, uh, why, had, why you ended up taking that break between tanks? Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, I'd set up that, I'd finished the first two tanks and set up the third one. The third one was larger than the other ones. It was a, uh, six foot by three foot rimless. 
um, had a beautiful, you know, had a coast to coast uh, overflow on the right hand side. Had a lot of nice custom work done by Miracles Aquariums out in uh, Toronto, mm-hmm. Canada. And I uh, got that tank set up, had that go in, had the Pro Corals was uh, doing really well, going well, making new connections. And uh, yeah, ended up getting sick. Uh, came down with cancer. Um, you know, ended up with uh, lymphoma, leukemia. And uh, because of that, I, I had to get out of the hobby. Um, it really uh, tore me up to, you know, sell everything mm-hmm. off and kind of get rid of everything. I, I kept most of the equipment in storage, but, you know, due to the, the chemotherapy and the medications and not having an immune system for the first year, <laughs> yeah, I really couldn't touch it. Um, you know, the entire treatment was three years. And after I'd gotten through with it, I, I you know, tried to dabble or jump back into it. I just could never really fully commit to it. It was maybe five, six years after uh, my initial diagnosis that I finally decided to jump back in into the hobby full force and um, get it going. I um, it was during COVID. I ended up setting up a small 40 gallon reef tank in my office, as you know, a lot of people did. You know, you're at home. I'm up there working. <laughs> got a little empty spot there. What am I gonna do with it? I'm like, all right, I got a reef. Let me let me get this set up. I, I put it together, let it go, and um, you know, it grew out pretty well, did good. And then I, uh, set up this guy back here, uh, almost a year ago, a little bit, 13 months ago. Well, listen, man, I, I am so, um, sorry that you had to go through that, but, um, you know, it, it, it sounds like you're in a, you're, you're in a good place right now. And, and, um, yeah, you know, more, more power to you, man, for, for battling through that and, and for, uh, for beating that thing. And um, it's it's great to see you back into the hobby because I know a lot of people um, probably sorely miss seeing your uh, your tanks, especially the rimless uh, reef. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be back. Uh, you know, if nothing else, you know, it made me a better person, kind of made me a bit stronger, and uh, you know, inspirational. Jumping back in the reef, inspirational. Yeah, yeah, reefing, reefing was uh, you know, jumping back into it. It's it's part of my life. You know, it's really uh, it's been therapeutic for me. It's it's a great challenge. It's for me, you know, it's it's art. It's an art form. And it just, you know, just makes me happy. <laughs> that's all I can that's, say. That's what, you know, listen, it's uh, it's different things for different people. But, uh, you know, therapeutic, uh, you know, it's um, it, it's a great, great hobby that we have here. And, and uh, you know, yeah, there's always challenges, right, in terms of the uh, the hobby itself and can be very oh, yeah. frustrating. And you've got to have a lot of uh, resilience. And obviously you, you do have a lot of resilience. But um, you know, there's always there's always something with a uh, with a reef tank in terms of challenges, yeah. right? I think a lot of it is just I hate to say, it, but a lot of it's the reefers themselves. Sometimes uh, they're, you're your own worst enemy. People just um, you know, I don't test much. I don't like to chase numbers at all. You know, even now, the only things I really keep an eye on is my pH, the uh, temperature of the aquarium, and I'll test my alkalinity once a month. That's it. Really? Some people are surprised to hear that. Uh, I'll keep an eye out on the glass see how quickly it's you know it's getting dirty i'll take a look at the corals see if they're lightening up darkening how things are growing if everything is chugging along and doing well i don't really mess with anything honestly because i've really hurt myself in the past chasing those numbers trying to make adjustments where you know my ph was at zero point you know 0.05 or 0.5 and i needed a 0.03 that magic number and now it's caused me more problems than i you know care to say well here's um so Here's the um, the latest uh, tank, right? The one-year growth uh, shot of um, yeah. of your current uh, rimless reef. And how how big is the uh, is that tank there, Sonny? This one's a water box, sixty twenty-five. So it's uh, five by two by two. Five by two by two. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and with the sump, yeah. 
so i mean yeah it's um talk to us in terms of the uh the setup you know in testing let's we'll, we'll get back to the testing uh stuff but talk to us about the setup for the uh for the current tank in terms of lighting equipment and all that fun stuff all right so the current tank as mentioned it's a water box uh for the lighting i decided to go with led i had uh it was my first time using it a couple years back when i set up that little office tank the 40 gallon uh -huh. and it, it did really well you know i've, I've done you know, power compacts, haloids, VHOs, T5s. I've, I've done it, done it all, and the uh, just wanted to give LEDs a try. It was something different, something new. I still have all the metal haloid and the um, ATI equipment in the in the garage from the old days. Yeah. I've got those giant luminarchs. I've got the smaller luminarchs. I've got probably eight years of XM bulbs still in there. Oh wow, I've got some <laughs> luminarchs too. But uh, yeah, good to uh, hoard the uh, metal halide bulbs. You never know. Yeah, yeah, they shot me over a bunch uh, years ago when uh, they saw how popular some of the aquariums were becoming. They're like, "Hey, <laughs> have, have have some of these bulbs." So, uh, so this tank's got the uh, Ecotech uh, Radions, okay. uh, which are amazing G5s. So I've got two G5, uh, the XR 30s, and then two of the XR 15s. They are all pros. I'm showing the pictures of the tank, by the way. It's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And those are, yep, those are all pros. I tend to run my aquariums at a uh, lighter spectrum, at a wider spectrum, you know, more towards the 10K. I've just always found I get better color and growth out of the corals going that route. So it's, it's something I've, I've always done. And it, it looks a little different. I don't like the, you know, you know, Sanjay calls it. What does Sanjay call it? The Windex aquariums yeah, or the Smurf? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I really like those colors. For flow, I've got, I've got the uh, MP40s. I've got two of them in there. And I've also got a Tunzi Stream 3, which is an interesting little pump. I've got it hidden in the aquarium back behind the uh, overflow uh -huh. um, to the left side. So you can't really see it. It's positioned upwards. And it looks like a you know, it looks almost like a little missile. It's so strange. You can set it up multiple ways. And even with just that pump by itself, with the amount of flow it pushes, it creates a gyre in the whole system. And, and, uh, and, so, and so in rimless reef tanks, right? Yep. A lot of flow. Any issues in terms of spillage? No, if, if you set up the uh, you know the MP40s, I have to adjust them. I've got to keep them down at a certain level, but so long as they're at that level and uh, I've got my um, overflow opened up correctly, I don't have any problems. Gotcha. No spillage, gotcha. no no issues. Um, for the re return pump, I've got another Ecotech uh, Vectra L2, uh, so that's worked out pretty good. And then the um, skimmer, I've got the uh, Ultramarine um, skimmer in there from uh, Italy. Things kind of built like a tank. Yes, so. I've seen that. Yeah. I actually saw that, I think, a couple of years ago at Reef of Palooza, New York. Man, I was like, yep. wow, that thing is pretty freaking yeah. solid. Yeah, it was, it was funny. I was looking at videos of uh, Joe Berger because he's still, I don't know if he's still in the hobby, but maybe he had a video a couple of years ago, uh -huh. and he was using the same skimmers. So I was like, all right, good enough for Joe, good <laughs> enough for me. I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> so um, cal did you mention calcium and alkalinity supplementation? What are you doing there? So supplementation, I am doing the uh, Tropic Marin All for Reef. Uh, I've been using that for three years now. Works out really well, and and that's why I specifically only measure the alkalinity. Uh, when the tank was first set up, I set all my parameters, made sure everything was dialed in perfectly, and then from there, I've been uh, dosing uh, the additive in there. I dose 120 milliliters per day, and with their formulation, uh, the way it works is I basically have to keep an eye on the alkalinity, and so long as that stays in line, that'll tell me, you know, whether it's up or down, how much, where to dose, increase or decrease it from there and i it's worked true to its word i haven't had to test anything else 
for the past year. And um, interesting. So, and you're only testing alkalinity once a month. Once a month. Yep. Man, man. <laughs> um, Mad Hatter Shreve. Hey, thanks, dude. Great work, Keith. Here's my down payment on a home record. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um thanks for the super chat uh, so so i also dose calc as well you do okay yeah i mean you can't really have a reef anymore without calc you gotta have it man that's like the secret that sauce is like you know that's that's kind of like made a big resurgence in terms of the calc so uh yeah and, always had it yeah nice so your um ph wise what, what are you uh what's your ph range i like to keep my ph high uh I, I will target 8.4. It's hard to get to 8.4. Yeah. I'm generally around 8.1, 8.2. So I've got an airline into the skimmer. I've also got the calc washer that's dosed in there through my top off to try to keep it up there. But yeah, it's it's huge. I think it's often overlooked. There's, you know, you get these ranges thrown around where, oh, be at 7.8 to 8.2. No, no, you want it as you want it up there. You want it 8.1, 8.2. From what I found, that's where you're going to get the growth. And that's where your corals are going to do yeah, best. Yeah, my, uh, my, my pH is typically in the 8.2 to 8.4, sometimes the 8.5 um, range. And, and um, yeah, that's I, I think that is a uh, it is a great place to be in. And so what else? Um, you, um, you, you, you said you live in, the, um, in Michigan, right? So yeah. I'm assuming in the yep. wintertime... It could be cold. Windows are shut. How do you um, how do you keep the pH elevated in the wintertime? Oh yeah, it's still doing the same thing with the uh, dumping a little more calc washer or some you know into the system. I've with the, with the windows, I'll have to get creative with opening things up. You know the the aquariums down in the, in the basement. Uh, I don't have a walk in like yours down in yeah. there, but I've got you know, sometimes pumping in some air. It'll get a little chilly in here trying to free out the CO two. <laughs> Try to maybe keep the kids out of here. Yeah. <laughs> You know, everybody breathing up the uh, <laughs> breathing the air, but yeah, typically it will get closer to seven point nine, eight point zero in the winter. So, um, certain reef. If you're testing that minimally, why not just test calcium? Since I have heard the test kits are more accurate at measuring smaller changes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think alkalinity is a very important, um, you know, parameter to uh, to measure. Any, any reason you're not testing calcium, you just pretty much are trusting the offer reef? Yeah, I'm, I'm trusting the offer reef. And, you know, I've even back in the days when I had my other setups, I, I never really been somebody who tests really intensively. I'll keep an eye on my parameters, but it's not a thing where I'm testing it weekly or keeping, you know, it's more. It's more I'm watching the corals, looking at the system, just based on observations, just, I don't know, doing it for so long. I can kind of tell when things are doing exactly or not looking looking a certain way uh i know it's kind of boneheaded sometimes because you want to try to catch the issue before it becomes a major problem but it's thus far it's worked out for me this you know all these years no uh no uh no icp testing no i've never done really no icp testing i'm interested to try it some people have asked me like hey why don't you run this icp i'd be very curious to see what kind of bacteria you have in your system or what your parameters actually are because i don't know exactly what you know where my phosphate is where my nitrate is yeah, that's that's um, that's interesting, man. I mean, that's that's a, a it's a very hands off uh, kind of a, a approach. What about um, have you ever had you know over the years in your reef keeping uh, career any like um, you know uh, common like episodes of RTN STN that um, you know were really uh, problematic or just the random one here or there? You know, I had random here or there. I don't think I've really ever lost an entire coral. 
Uh, I've been pretty quick at catching it, you know, sniffing up the coral, fragging it if, if need be. Uh, I think a lot of my bacteria dosing and carbon dosing has actually helped just with the um, microbes and other things that are in there because I know we haven't gotten into it yet, but uh, I know a lot of the bacteria, people look at it as, you know, for controlling nutrients, but it also helps helps with the corals. Um, some of the things they're doing now and they're checking with corals is they're they're testing, you know, to see how the corals do and how they process, you know, with the heat and other stresses that they have in their environment. And they're finding that um, even with probiotics and different things in the lab, that it's helping the corals become more resilient. And I've, I found that in my systems as well uh, with the beneficial bacteria. So I haven't really had any crazy episodes of any, you know, STN, RTN. I think cyano and dinos were probably the worst thing I've ever dealt with. So, all right, this is going to kind of like dovetail a couple of different things here. One is the uh, the cyano and, and the uh, and the dinos. You, you, so we, um, I think we mentioned uh, coral snow at the uh, at the beginning of the uh, the show. What 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 exactly is coral snow, and and uh, how can um, people learn more about uh, more about it in the in the protocol? All right, so coral snow. It's uh, basically it's just it's a flocculent calcium carbonate uh, that I dose into my systems. I will uh, dose it once a week to help maintain the water clarity and to combat cyano. Uh, now you can find out more information on there. And, uh, I've got a thread up on Reef to Reef. I've got a link on the Reef Site website, uh, ReefSite.com, and I've also got it on my Instagram. I've got a short three-minute uh, intro uh, concerning the uh, product and how to operate and use it. But the basic premise is, uh, at least for cyano, is um, I know we were talking about this before. Is if you have some cyano, you know, what you're going to want to do with the protocol is siphon out the cyano first, try to take out as much as you can. And after that, we're going to mix the calcium carbonate in with some bacteria, allow it to sit for five minutes um, once mixed, and then dose it in the system. And what I found is the, cal the bacteria will bind to the calcium carbonate. And once you dose the calcium carbonate into the system, it's going to bind or it's going to end up on all the surfaces of the rock, of the glass, of the sand and um, basically help to deliver the bacteria where it needs to be. And from there, it's going to help help to outcompete the cyano for real estate. So it's, it's really worked well for me. So what, what about um, if you got the elevated nutrients or let's say the, uh, the cyano has been consuming all the nutrients, what, um, how does that impact the nutrients? Is that, um, that going to drop the nutrients when you start dosing that on a, on a, on a week, you said weekly basis? Yeah, I, I dose mine on a weekly basis. I have, for some people, uh, we've had some protocols where they've reached out uh, to help eliminate the cyano. They've dosed it every two days, and it's worked out pretty well uh, with their nutrients and with their system. Uh, it is going to pull out some nutrients, but not really as not enough to make a huge difference on there. It's, it's basically you're just trying to outcompete it for for space in there. There's also other things, you know, cyano is multifaceted. There's quite a few things that can cause it. So by no means is this a cure-all, but it seems to have worked pretty well for quite a few people. Right. I mean, there's different strains of cyanobacteria, right? And um, some right. strains can be much uh, tougher to eradicate versus uh, versus yep. other strains. Um, what about um, tank uh, blackouts? Have you ever tried uh, doing tank blackouts? Is that like part of the protocol in terms of knocking it back before you start the uh, calcium carbonate? I haven't done any, anything with tank blackouts with cyano. I've, I've done it with dinos in the past. And it's worked out well. A uh, few people recently have commented on the uh, large thread we have on Reef to Reef that it's worked out well for dinos, where they've done a blackout, they've thrown the flocculent, because depending on the dinos and, and what form it is, um, you know, 
after you go into the blackout phase, the stuff is free floating. It's in the water. It's moving around. And if you can uh, have it bound up with a coral snow and then, you know, taken out by your skimmer and then by some really fine filter socks, that seems to help knock it out. Um, Bill Boss battling dinos now, 60 gallon doing 10 mLs coral snow, 10 mLs MB7 and 5 mLs of Bakken daily. It's been one week, no look so far. I guess there's uh, different dinos and perhaps different uh, successes that you would have depending on. I Yeah, I'd probably scale back on the vodka. I wouldn't really want to throw any carbon source, especially vodka, uh, because it's kind of indiscriminate with what it feeds. And that's a large reason why I'm, the carbon dosing I'm doing now, I've shied away from the um, vodka and sugar and whatnot and gone with the uh, NP Bacto Balance from Tropic Marin just because of what it's doing in there. Um, salty Captain, what what are your thoughts on ChemiClean? Um, I've used it years ago, and, I mean, this stuff always comes back. I mean, it works really well in the beginning, but you just take a huge biological hit in the system. Um, you know, I've... Corals were dark enough. That's always been my experience. I'll have some brownouts. Things will come back, but I, I think it's just it's a little heavy-handed, in my opinion. Um, for Minshew, yeah, and we talked about this. People use coral snow for vermitids as well. Yep. Yeah, works out pretty well. What's the what, how, how how does it impact vermitid snails? Again, does it kind of like uh, mess with what they're um, they're yeah, secreting there? Yeah, with their secretions when they come out, it uh, you know if they're pulling their nets back in. I believe it's filling up their tubes, at least from some of the ones I've broken in my system. I found quite a bit of calcium carbonate built up in there. So after a little while, you know, they uh, reduced the frequency of casting out their nets. And now it's it's really rare for me to ever see the nets out these days, especially with the amount of snow I dose per week. What, um, what are the potential downsides? Are there any risks to this uh, protocol, Coral Snow? None that I've experienced. Uh, you know, biologically or chemically, you know, there could be some, um, you know, Randy Holmes Farley on uh, Reef to Reef has commented there may be some issues uh, concerning your alkalinity, depending on how much you dose. So when you are dosing it, I, I would recommend a small amount. Um, you know, my system volume is about 170 gallons total, and I'll dose one tablespoon per week in there uh, to keep it going and keep it in well. Some others, they'll dose quite a bit more. They'll dose five, ten times the amount without any issues, but it's hard to say. Hard to say in the system. It's really your mileage will vary, but <laughs> I've been using it for, I know, I've used it for many years now, no issues. Uh, I used to buy the commercial form of it maybe 15 years ago and I uh, just decided over the past few years, um, you know, why am I spending all this money on this commercially when I can just do do, do my own for 15 bucks, so to speak. And so. um, what was the other? Uh, so, and you're doing this for maintenance, man. I mean, you don't even have like cyano, and you're just doing this weekly just to keep the uh, the cyano uh, at bay, or anything yeah. else for that matter. Dinos as well, perhaps. Cyano, dinos, just to keep a tank looking clear, looking good. Uh, it does a wonderful job of you know water clarity. You can see in some of the images I had up there. Do you uh, use UV sterilizer? No, no. no okay, no UV. A- no UV, no ozone. Activated carbon. Yep, activated carbon. Okay. I use the, uh, was it the, um, what's that stuff from BRS? The, uh, is that the RX, ROX, uh, yeah. 0.8? Yeah, yeah. Yep. That stuff works high really well. High capacity or I'll, something. Uh, yep. High capacity. I'll change out one cup every two weeks in my system. Gotcha. How did you come up with this protocol, man? I mean, you, did you just, you're like trying to come up with a better mousetrap and there was stuff out there that just, you didn't like can be clean, obviously. And, and there was other, um, things that, uh, just weren't working that you just well, it's kind of put kind of been in the, 
yeah, it's kind of been around for a little bit, um, you know, with a few different formulations. You know, you read about on other sites, other companies, you know, Zeovit for the longest time, they've got a product, Coral Snow. And one of their protocols for doing it was adding the bacteria to their Coral Snow formulation. So it's it's very similar uh, to what I dose into my systems here. And it's, it's worked out pretty well. All right, man. So let's let's talk about um, carbon dosing, and, and you, know, you were kind of like one of the uh, the pioneers of this uh, this uh, method in terms of you know kind of controlling nutrients by dosing uh, bacteria. Can can you kind of um, explain the origin of all that and, and how you uh, happened upon that? And and I guess we kind of dive deeper once you've uh, kind of laid that groundwork. Yeah, the carbon dosing uh, it's kind of interesting. You know, first started to uh, look around, read about it. There was a few reefers, you know, on the fringes there. A lot of the guys in, uh, actually in Germany, there's a lot of people over there that were getting into it and dosing it into their system. So kind of read some articles, happened upon it. And, you know, the way I like to experiment a lot, I like to play around with my systems, like to push the envelope a bit. And it was just something I wanted to try just to try to control my nutrients. So I started messing around with some of the bacteria. I think back then, 05, 06, it was protobio. Yeah. Had those little yeah. glass vials. Yeah. Yeah. And I was dosing the bacteria and wanted to give it a little bit of a kick. And so I'd uh, read a few things about the carbon and different forms of it and started trying out sugar. Sugar sugar was okay. It uh, just gave me a little too much cyano, some brown jelly issues in there. So I kind of moved away from that, ended up doing the vodka, and the vodka worked out really well, almost a little too well in the system. Supercharged uh, things? Yeah, supercharged. Um, helped out really well. And the the one benefit I wasn't expecting, you know, I was using it to reduce the nutrients, was the coral growth. I mean, the stuff, the corals exploded, the SPS in the system, just with the available amount of bacteria that was, you know, suddenly floating around, yeah. all that phosphate bound up in the bacteria, and the corals were just eating it up. So I started dosing that, doing that, and then I had a thread going on Reef Central, and quite a few people took notice uh, based on how clean the system looked, the coral growth. I mean, because, you know, it's it's hard to find that balance of having yeah. a really clean system yeah. and having the coral growth. I mean, you walk a really fine line. And so did that. We spread it out and it kind of took off from there. Just started, you know, laying it out. It was uh, like we said, we're in a few different uh, magazines, Coral Magazine, uh, put a little article out with them and uh, kind of went from there. So um, today... What are you doing in terms of bacteria dosing? Is that part of your uh, your weekly uh, protocol with coral snow, or are you doing coral snow once a week plus daily bacteria dosing? Yeah, so the my daily protocol is I will um, I'll add three milliliters of the MP Bacto Balance from Tropic Marin. That's my carbon source daily. Uh, the bacteria is added twice a week, and it's it's really a small amount. I use Zeobac. Uh, I was using Microbacter Seven for a while. And uh, was getting some some brown buildup that was coming up on the rock. I don't know what it was, so I switched to bacterias, and the zeobac doesn't seem to give me that. So it's worked out pretty well. And I'll dose that twice a week, and then I'll dose the all for reef daily, and then the coral snow on you know once a week on Saturday, and that's basically it. That's going in the system. Right. And so what what are what are your thoughts in terms of the um, the opinion you know, and, and we've had multiple uh, conversations on this live stream about dosing bacteria in terms to an established reef tank and in terms of is that necessary is that beneficial and i guess one one you know benefit is what you talked about is is nutrient uh, control 
right? It, it helps yeah. control nitrates and phosphates. But um, you know, so what what I've um, what I've heard people say is that once you dose a, a source of bacteria, a certain strain of bacteria to the tank, that bacteria will, you know, multiply in the tank. So it's really not necessary to keep dosing that same type of bacteria. It, it, do you agree with that thinking or are you pretty much doing the bacteria dosing just for nutrient control? I see the thing is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing it because it's, it's kind of a silly answer, but you know, it's kind of the way I've always done it. But at the same time, the filtration nowadays and in these systems with the skimmers and everything else we're doing is so aggressive. It is pulling out quite a bit of the bacteria. And at the same time, the corals, they're uptaking quite a bit of bacteria in the system, sometimes faster than it can re reproduce. So, you know, I, I think I mentioned it the other day to somebody on one of the forums. We were talking about, you know, adding the bacteria and putting it into the systems and why I'm doing it. And really, I mean, for the, the, the cost of it, I think it's 70 bucks a year is what it came down to with bacteria. Mm -hmm. It's working for me. I don't think twice about it. I just dose it in there. It's worked out well. I don't see any reason to change it. Um, I did, you know, the science is interesting, but I'm kind of doing what works for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that that that's uh, you know that that's true with a lot of things with reef keeping. I mean, I can't explain exactly uh, you know everything yeah. that I'm doing, but you know if it's working, then why change? You know, it's it's yeah. um it's. But you know, I mean, obviously, people have different opinions, and there's many different ways to keep a uh, keep a reef tank. So there's not a right or wrong answer, really. No, no, and, and you know, with the reef keeping, it's I'll try to work things out, do things, and then hey, if it works, I'll keep doing it, and then I'll go back and try to figure out, okay, you know, reverse engineer it. How why did this work? How did it work? And if I can figure it out, great. I'll put it out there and tell others about it. And if I can't, well. So, are are you concerned at all that like a lot of the uh, the bottle bacteria that we do is? I'm not sure there's any bottle bacteria out there that actually lists the bacteria in those bottles. Is is that problematic in your eyes? No, no. I mean, there's a lot of potions out there. You know, like you know the MP Bactyl Balance um, with with what I use with that. I don't know exactly what's in there. I know that from you know listening to Lou over at Tropic Marine and what they have in there that they're you know long chain polymers. I couldn't tell you what that is. It sounds really nice, but yeah, there's just quite a few things. Even, you know, in the buckets of salt, you know, the things I have in there, I don't know every single mineral, every single element um, that, that's really in there. It's just formulations that I kind of trust the scientists to put in there. And then through trial and error, you know, if it works, I'll keep on doing it. What about um, other types of coral food? Um, do you do any other supplementation, amino acids, that sort of thing? Um, a lot of zeal food, and that's a small amount added twice a week. I'll add it with the bacteria, and I believe that's a form of uh, amino acids uh, with their formulation. It's basically uh, 14 drops a week, so it's not a huge amount, but it's uh, it's been helping in there. One, one thing I've done differently in this system that I haven't done in the past ones is I've got a zeobit reactor in there mm. uh, with zeolith stones. I've always uh, just been interested in it and wanted to give it a shot, and, uh, you know, the magic rocks. And uh, it's this stuff really works. It works uh, quite well. Um, and the the biggest benefit I found is not the nutrient reduction. It's the, uh, the the coral growth. Coral growth has been in incredible because once a day I'll go in there, I'll shake up the stir up the rocks. I'll get this giant storm of bacteria. I've got some videos on my in Instagram on there that show this storm of complete cloud in the system. And you'll see the corals just open up, go out there, tentacles out, feeding. 
and it, it's been it's been great. I use half the recommended dose, change it, you know, every 60 days. They recommend every 30 days, but it's worked out well for me. I'm not really looking for the nutrient reduction from it, but it's been really, really good. And that's my primary source of coral food. Have you ever tried a, like any uh, live types of food like phytoplankton? No, I maybe in the past I've, you know, I've done the thing where I've had, you know, little baby clams. I've taken them out, put them in a little dish, have them eat up all the phyto, put them back in, nursed them up. But once they've gotten to a certain size, no, I really haven't dosed much of that. Um, Phil Boss is asking, have you tried uh, hydrogen peroxide? I, I assume the question is, have, have you um, used that to um, to battle um, anything like uh, dinos or cyano or anything like that? Yeah. That nature? Yeah, I've used that in the past. To uh, I think the only thing I saw was it raised the ORP when I was measuring it back in the days. So I don't know if it was doing much. It might have been doing a little more harm than good sometimes. I've, I've dipped some zoos and things like that, you know. Yeah, Sean, maybe someone need to come up with a good smaller reactor. Hard to find a good one in terms of the uh, zeolith uh, reactor. I've never tried that myself. Yeah, it's – yeah, the reactor is quite large. It's a bit clunky in there. Uh, it works really well. Uh, but, yeah, they need to – somebody needs to come up with something a little more uh, friendly for these systems. Um, Paul, uh, great beard of reef. Yeah, um, he said um, he uses a pro protebio. Um, sometimes as a uh, as a bacteria, prodib. How do you pronounce that? Prodib, prodibio. I think it's protobio. Pro probio. Okay. Um, yeah, that's. Um, I've never used that stuff, but I know some some other veteran reef keepers have uh, have used that stuff as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. And Paul's reminding everybody, let's hit the uh, like button. Yeah, we got uh, almost uh, eighty five people watching right now, only thirty one likes. So uh, if we can goose that number up a little bit, that would be uh, an awesome. More more people will uh, <laughs> find us. Back to uh, carbon dosing. What? Um, how? How um, careful do you need to be to make sure that you don't, uh, you know, go overboard and. Um, you know, have that um, that that uh, situation where you're just uh, overcharging the bacteria and causing a rapid drop in nutrients. How do you know that line? Yeah, yeah you've got to go really slow. You know, when you're starting out with the protocol, uh, you know, with the with the vodka or with the MP backdo or with whatever you're doing. You know, I I tell most people when they're starting up is go. You know, whatever is recommended, start at 10 percent and slowly you know raise it up five percent per week do it really slow it's going to take you a while it's going to take you you know maybe three months to get to where the doses that you need it to be at but you just don't want it there's too much there's too much harm you can do um dosing it too quickly these days i do recommend that people kind of steer away from you know the vodka the sugar and just even the vinegar because there's they, they can do a lot of harm and that's to look at certain products um like a lot of the carbon dosing. I know Red Sea's got their, what, Nopox? Yeah. I think it's similar. Uh, Tropic Marin's got their own formulation. And, and these formulations, they work much better because they're specifically targeting the bacteria and uh, not the things, not cyano or the uh, bryopsis or any of the other things that can eat it up. Bryopsis. What have you done in the past for bryopsis? You know, I only had it one time. I had it way back, like 2001, 2002, and then since then, I've I've been fortunate, and I just it was the old school way. I took all the rock, <laughs> all the rock, yeah. scrubbed yeah. them, put them back in. Um, yeah, I, I usually tend to keep tangs, fox faces, different other creatures in there. I have a nice cleanup crew. 
to kind of keep, you know, keep that stuff at bay. Yeah, uh, you know, so I was showing some of the uh, the pictures of the uh, the fish in your systems. You, 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 a lot of uh, antheas, chromis, tangs. That's um, I I, I kind of have a similar taste in terms of the uh, I love the uh, the color of the uh, of the um, you know the lartel uh, antheas and the uh, and the green chromis. I think it's just a really cool uh, look. It's tough though. And for me, at least, in terms of keeping those things long term, you know, it seems like, you know, they uh, eventually kind of like wither away in terms of the uh, the schools of those things. Yeah, it's it's crazy because I've, I've never had that issue. And I've, I've gotten quite a few people, you know, anytime I posted images or videos or pictures of the of this aquarium, they're like, man, how do you keep all these chromuses? Hey, they're going to kill each other. Hey, you know, they're going to fight. And I've I've never had that that um that problem. And I kept thinking about it. I'm like, man, you know, am I really lucky? You know, what's going on? And I thought about it, and I've always had large schools of antheas with the chromis. And then just, you know, observationally watching the fish, you know, I did it weeks back, and um, you know, anytime the chromises would think about even nipping at each other, one of the antheas would jump in. <laughs> and so they're they're much more worried about the antheas than they are each other. What's the what's your routine in terms of feeding uh, the fish and how often and what are you feeding them? Uh, yeah, I'll feed them twice a day, uh, spectrum pellets and Formula One flakes. I'll throw some uh, frozen mysid shrimp in there in the evening, uh, just two cubes because I have a copper band butterfly. But otherwise, I would only feed spectrum pellets and um, flakes. That's what I've been doing for years. Interesting. Um, Vivid Creative Aquatics, what's your opinion on, on biopellets as a form of carbon dosing? I used to use it in a previous tank with good success, but decided not to on the current tank. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like it. I, I couldn't dial it in right. I, I tried it once years ago, maybe 15 years ago, and uh, I just, I couldn't get the flow right through the reactor. I was just having all sorts of issues. Cyano was popping up. It just, it was so much easier just to dose the carbon daily by hand. Gotcha. Um, so we've talked a lot, um, you know, Sonny, about you know the way you like to keep tanks and all that stuff. What um, what would you say has been like the biggest change in terms of methods that uh, you've used to keep a reef tank over the years? You know, obviously uh, your you know tank lighting has changed, right, from um, TFOS yeah. halides to, to LEDs, and you've, you've been always leaning on bacteria dosing. Anything else that yep. um, you know we haven't talked about that you kind of um, have, have changed up a little bit in terms of your methods no i mean not not a whole lot of has changed i've kind of kind of kept the same solid um you know guidelines and you know the bedrock of of what i do you know all the lighting heavy flow the bacteria um i just you know when i came back to the hobby i I'd noticed that quite a few things that changed suddenly uh aquariums were being started up with dead rock which blew my mind yeah yeah um you know, I tried it when I was trying to come back in. I'm like, yeah, let me give us a shot. I didn't have any live rock left. I didn't have anything going on. I failed miserably. Me too. I'm somebody who has a ton of experience. And the, the tank just dinos and problems. I was like, this is ridiculous. So, you know, reached out to, um, who was it, KP Aquatics down at the Gulf. They pulled some fresh live rock out of the ocean, 15 pounds or so. I put it in the sump, put the dead rock in the main display. Everything migrated from the sump into the main tank. Everything came alive. Rock solid. Didn't have any problems, no issues. Beautiful. I don't that, that that part I just don't get. I think people are just they're too afraid of hitchhikers and other things jumping into the aquarium. Um, where it's just it's not that big of a problem, honestly. You're, you do much more harm than good. Yeah, you know, I uh, 
I, I did fail miserably myself when I tried to uh, start a dry rock only tank and, and um, I completely rebooted it, but it sounds like you were able to save the uh, the dry rock only tank by adding some live rock to it, which you know yeah. is, is great because when you put it in the sump, I don't think you have to worry as much about those hitchhikers getting to the display. No, no, I caught those mana shrimp pretty quick. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I've, I've got like 100 pounds of the KP Aquatics uh, live rock that I started my peninsula tank with. And yep. um, I had a couple of mantis shrimp in there. Uh, one actually made it into the uh, the tank, but luckily there was no corals in the tank. I saw it. It was on a rock that was on the top of the other uh, reef, yeah. so I was able to pull it out and flush them out. Um, I didn't kill them. I gave them to a, a local fish store, and I, I, I made sure they understood what I was giving them. But, um, you know, I think, you know, there was a lot of um, pistol shrimp in there, and, and um, yep. I think they're kind of harmless. I, I, I still might have a pistol uh, shrimp or two, but... Um, you know, it's uh, and a couple of bad acro crabs that that uh, made it through. I I was doing their uh, recommended high salinity uh, dip to yeah. uh, flush out all the uh, the the stuff you didn't want Shout there. All the nasties. Um, Sean, maybe I have a small batch of rock coming tomorrow from KP Aquatics. Can't wait. Yeah, it's good stuff. Really, uh, really good stuff. Talk talk to us, um, Phil Boss. Dry rock and sand is probably why my tank started off with dinos. Yeah. Talk to yeah. us about uh, your your sand bed. So you mentioned that the sand beds, um, clean sand bed. What's what's uh, your method there in terms of keeping that, keeping that sand so crystal clear? Yeah, that's uh, generally every one or two weeks when I go in there. Uh, every Saturday is my maintenance day, and I'll I'll go in there. I'll siphon out the sand bed. So generally, it takes only about ten minutes. I'll I'll get a gravity fed you know siphon. I'll attach the um, the uh, outlet to a filter sock. Stick that in the sump, vacuum out the sand, and uh, you know capture everything I can, dump it out of the uh, filter sock, and then in, then input the uh, coral snow to catch anything that's free floating in the system. And it's worked out great for me. Uh, you know, it's I don't know if somebody's got some magic method of keeping their sandbag clean without maintaining it. <laughs> I would love to know. Um, you know, so many bad things can you know form up in there. I posted some images on the Instagram of. You know, I, there was one time where I went maybe a month without doing it just because of work and travel. And, I mean, the water was black coming out of the sand bed. Oh, really? So you can imagine over time what that can do, you know, building up and leaching things out and causing all sorts of problems and issues. I, I like having a sand bed. I, I tried in the past to do bare bottom. I just – I had – I don't know. Things just – things weren't buffered correctly. It just the, – the whole system was off when I, I didn't have sand in there. I just – I just – Yeah. Yeah, you know, I um I've I've recently been a convert to bare bottom, you know, tanks and and that's more about, you know, the flow and the fact that I just keep shitty sand beds because my uh my yeah. sand beds just look <laughs> awful. It's like like a, a a repository for all the, you know, the crap that corals breaking yeah. off and dead snails and all. I just never was really like into maintaining them and so yeah, they're detritus uh, traps. But um do you have a uh, like any any cleanup crew critters in there, or is it you're you're the one that's doing all the work? I'm doing a lot of the light work. I've got hermit crabs in there. I've got uh, snails, of course, going around. I've got bumblebee snails that were helping to deal with some of the fermented uh, snails that were in there. Uh, quite a few pods, antheopods. I uh, I dosed them one time. I believe I got them from uh, reefcleaners.org. He's got some really good strain of stuff over there, and only had to do the pods once. I'll probably do it again pretty soon. Um, Seems like dosing them once a year works out well, but you know, in God, a matter of two months, they just exploded in the system. And those little guys, they do a really good job in there. I mean, I think that you know they're overlooked and they're 
you know, backbone in quite a few systems if you got them in yep. there. Yeah. Uh, Rob upstate New York. Uh, hey, thanks, man, for that super chat comments. Cheers to a great chat. Appreciate that. Um, Benjamin Bean, I got all my rock from Tampa Bay salt water, and it's great. Two months of gold tank. Yeah, uh, Acro's looking great. Yeah, that's another option is Tampa Bay salt water. Um, yeah, they are pretty good. Um, I was going to uh, ask you about the uh, the sand bed. So, um, siphoning out the sand bed weekly uh, basis. Yeah, you know it's um yeah I I I just try to like um I I pretty much dig the no sand thing because of the um the uh, all the flow that I got going on my tank and I, you know it started because of my peninsula tank and that that was a that's a yeah. challenge to um I, I I never even thought about really considered too seriously having a sand bed in that tank because it's a, a six foot long tank I was like man I need to blast from uh, both <laughs> ends so I just don't think the sands yep. could be uh, working out but I, I guess I could you know I, I could have always used a uh, a coarse type of um, you know almost like a um, calcium reactor media type of uh, sand bed yeah I use the um, seafloor carapsy seafloor special grade yeah. that's the sand I've always used it is uniform it works really well and I've just got to position my pumps a certain way so that the sand doesn't blow around but you know I think I was telling you 120 times per hour is my flow in there so stuff's moving. Yeah. Uh, it's just yeah. It's just positioning everything correctly. It can take some time. It can be tedious. So, Sonny, you obviously have a lot of um, people that reach out to you for advice, and, and uh, you're, um, you're busy on the forums and stuff like that. What, what would you say is, like, the best advice or, or, or uh, a, some good nuggets of advice to give people that um, want to kind of get to that next level in terms of keeping SPS? That's kind of the same things that are, you know, said over and over again is be patient is let nature take its course you know don't overthink don't chase the numbers just you know there's clear guidelines out there for setting up aquariums there's clear parameters clear things to to do to start it up i mean so many have come before you know us before these new reefers coming in you know follow some of those measures like you were saying at the start of the podcast here is you know find a mentor find find an aquarium you want to emulate and kind of follow from there you know, ask ask those questions and see where they started and how they're going. Uh, I think I was talking about it earlier is too many people they overthink they do they're they're doing too much. You know, you've probably experienced it too, where you know you keep your you know the more you have your hands in the aquarium, the more mm -hmm. things are going to be going wrong. The more things you're busting up, the more problems you're having. And my systems do really well by just leaving them alone. I do my normal maintenance. You know, clean the glass every few days. Saturday I do the uh, normal stuff. And you know, do my water changes every six weeks or or, or so, and so worked you, out well. You're doing what did you say, twenty five percent every six weeks? Yeah, every six weeks, twenty five percent. The first six months, I was doing it every single week, skiing the tank going, trying to see how it was. And then I kind of scaled it back to every two weeks, and then now I've gotten to every six weeks um, without any uh, problems or issues. So I'll probably continue doing it that way. Salt? Did we talk about the salt you use? Yeah, reef reef crystals. Same stuff I've been using forever. I've never seen her, never had a reason to change. Same thing I've been using since, since the start. There's all sorts of other formulations, but if it isn't broke, you know, why change it? Um, what about other like pieces of equipment, you know, uh, controllers? Do, are you the type that, uh, you know, has a lot uh, of control going on in the tank? Are no. you just monitors or no? No, no, I get, I get all the time. I get people asking, Hey, I want to see a picture of your sump or I want to see, you know, images of what you got under the, under the tank. And, they're usually disappointed. There's not much going on down there. It's, it's everything is in the tank. Um, you know, I dose everything manually. 
you know, I get up in the morning, you know, I do my thing. It's, you know, um, by the time I get to the aquarium, lights turn on at 7 a.m. I'll uh, dose the alpha reef. I'll dose the uh, carbon source, the MP Pacto balance. I'll feed the fish, go on with my day. The only thing that's really monitoring is um, I've got a small controller that um, heaters are plugged into. Right. Because that's very important. And I've got a monitor for the uh, pH to keep an eye out on that. But that's it. I don't have anything else controlling the stuff. The lights and the pumps, of course, are controlled by the um, Mobius on the app. But try to keep it simple. Less things can go wrong that way. So you're not the type that's uh, out there looking for new product innovations and all that sort of thing. You're just uh, bare bones. Yeah, I've had a few uh, few other companies and startups and you know reef companies asking me about some input about certain things to use and if I wanted to test things out and I've kind of said you know no I, I really like the way I'm doing my stuff keep it nice and simple it's working for me uh, maybe in the future if you know time becomes at a premium and I want it to monitor a bit more I just I just feel like I'm going to get into a lot more trouble if I know every single parameter and every little thing that's going on in there I'm just going to want to tinker with it too much. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, like, like you're, I mean, it, you know, it's like an information overload type of thing, right? And um, it is, you know, it's good to have the information. Um, the problem is that you know, if things are not going well with the tank, then uh, there might be a tendency to act on all that information without exactly. a lot of focus. I guess maybe is a way to put it. I agree. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to ask you about um, so. What about the um, yeah. the future for you in terms of um, any any um, desires to have a bigger tank to take it uh, to another level? You know, obviously you've been uh, in the hobby for a long time, and you've had yeah. big tanks, you've had some smaller tanks, and you kind of like um, restarted with a uh, a semi big tank. Do you have a um, a vision of going bigger again at some point down the road? Yeah, I. You know, it's going to really depend on this uh, real estate market for it to pick up. I'm going to need a bigger place. <laughs> <laughs> Things are, are kind of rough out there uh, with the housing market. You know, there's not really much available. So once I do get the, the uh, space and uh, things clear up a bit, I do plan on uh, getting into a bigger home and getting a, a larger aquarium set up. I've uh, seen a few things out there. I want to try something different. Uh, next one, I think I'm going to go around a fully walk-around sphere. Wow. That's wow. that's really what I've... I'm, want to i really want to do something like that something just you know different never done before at least from my end and uh things you don't typically see in the hobby a walk around uh, spear so what does that look like i mean that's basically a um like a circular tank yeah circular tank yeah ex exactly it's a little different but it's you know i've got some ideas in my head and you know the way you're gonna have to have it set up um and how the overflow is gonna work so i've got a couple couple of things I've been bouncing around on some people just so that we don't have any large obstructions in the center and whatnot. So that's not going to be rimless though, man. No, no, it won't be rimless. <laughs> so yeah, I'll have to create a small one out there to have that going to keep the rimless alive. Well, yeah, I mean the, uh, the looks in your tanks in terms of those rimless reefs are just uh, I mean, and it, and it kind of like your, your, um, this is version four of the rimless uh, reef. Yeah. Yeah. Version four. Yep. So you had the yeah. um, you had the uh, the recentral tank of the month, which was the in-wall tank, and then you went rimless yep. right after that. Yep, that was the first rimless. That was a hundred gallon. That was heavily carbon dosed. And then the um, second rimless was the uh, larger one that went down after I was ill. The third rimless was set up was right when I was getting back into it, and that was the one that I started up with the dead rock and the dead sand and everything else, and that one didn't work out too well. So that one kind of uh, kind of died in the vine. 
And then I kind of waited another couple of years and um, jumped up to this big one. So, this is the- um, so we, we've been talking, we talked a little bit about the um, uh, Pro Corals, you know, the PC Rainbow and the um, um, PC uh, Superman Table. What, what about some non-PC corals that uh, you dig, man? Like what are your favorites out there that um, are, are corals that you haven't brought in yourself? Um, you know, I don't chase them too, too much anymore. Uh, you know, kind of the, uh, when I was doing the pro corals, it, it kind of killed some of that fever for me. Uh, the collective <laughs> the name, because, the name game thing kind of like, uh, you know, it was, it, it was, it was fun collecting the corals, tracking them down, especially back in the days. It was, they were hard to track down. They weren't available, you know, on websites everywhere. So that was part of the fun of it, you know, like almost like collecting baseball cards. And then when I suddenly had access to all these corals, and all these things at once, it kind of diluted the hobby a bit for me um, with collecting them. But if I'm going to name some favorites, I, I really like the uh, classic Purple Monster, Tyree Purple Monster. That's one of one of my favorites. I'd love to get another piece of that. I had one in the original uh, in-wall, and it was beautiful. Super slow growing, but beautiful piece. Um, Strawberry Fields, I love that piece. Uh, I like a lot of the old school stuff. I like, you know, the OG, you know, Green Slimer. yeah. That's a green, red, green slimer right yeah. behind you, right? Yep, green slimer right there. <laughs> Girls like a weed. Um, you know, I like digis. I like those as well. I like little purple digi in there, yeah. orange digi, green digi. Uh, these days, my taste is pretty basic. I don't really chase down anything anymore. Um, I just really want something that's going to have a nice color, good growth form, and those are my deciding factors these days. Caps too, right? You're you're into caps. Yeah. Yeah, I like caps. Not as big as I had in the in-wall. That thing was a monster. Yeah, that was a huge orange cap. Yeah, that, was, that thing was monstrous. Thankfully, this one here, I have to turn it back every month or so, but it's it's more there you know, just for visual looks. I'm not really letting it grow out too much. Um, yeah, Purple Monster. I have um, I, I'm, I'm, I have um, a piece that I'm growing out. You know, it's it's super slow grower for me right now. You know, the um, the piece that I had years ago in Connecticut was really a fast grower for me. And, and, uh, you know, I had it under halides and T5s back then. And, um, I've got it under halides and right now, and it's, it's, it's grown a lot slower. I've got a frag of it also in my, uh, led lit tank and that's got better color, but it's also still a, a slow grower. I mean, the problem with that, you know, in terms of putting that in a, in a display tank is that eventually other corals will encroach upon it or shade it out. So yeah. That's a challenge because what it likes to do is encrust. And yep. um, so that's kind of a uh, – and it's not an easy coral to frag. No, no, and that's – that was always a tough part. And, you know, you kind of hit on something with the coral selection when you're setting up an aquarium. I don't think a lot of people think about that these days with the way they grow. You know, the – you know, like, for instance, where the, where the slimer is situated, you know. You're going to put the slimer in a certain spot versus, say, a tabling coral or a milli. Um, same thing I do with the digis. Things that grow, at least for me, much quicker. I'm going to kind of keep them up to the outskirts um, and put them that way just because, you know, I know that they're going to be taken off. Um, they're a mixture of colors. So, yeah, these days it's just all about the um, 
the growth, colors of the corals, not so much about the names anymore like I did in the past because it can, get, it can get pretty intense chasing those things down. I know some people go nuts with it, but then you end up with that whole fruit stand look. Yeah. Yeah. Great beard of reef. Reef Fum has uh, one for sale, $1 million. She's talking about the purple monster in a Dr. Oh, is there a million bucks? Dr. Evil voice. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's awesome. But yeah, big uh, shout out if you guys don't have it yet. Get the PC Rainbow or get the uh, PC Superman yeah. table. Reef Bum. Yeah. Those Beautiful are, pieces. Those are awesome pieces. What um, did we? Did I already ask you this question? What What are some of the other uh, PC um, corals? Those were the two big ones. Yeah. I've uh, battle corals. has still got my uh, sunset Millie. Yes. Um, he just, yes. The sunny axe sunset Millie. Yeah. That thing was. I love that. that. Thing is wild. Yeah, I've, I've got a piece of it in here, and that thing just has this amazing, amazing coloration and, and look. It's almost this yellowish, orangish, metallic color. So he's got a piece of it on his site, and he says it uh, sells pretty well. Yeah, I think I got that from him, but I lost that piece. But I've got a couple other Sunset Millies. But um, I got the uh, – you're talking about Adam, right? So I've got um, yeah. I've got his um, – what do you call it? The, sh the, 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 sh the schizophrenic or something. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that one, I, ha I, I had that for like a long time, and it's just encrusted, 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 didn't like sprout any branches, got uh, encroached upon by some other corals, and then when I rebooted my 187-gallon um, tank, I took out the encrusted rock that it was on, and I just uh, chiseled off a piece, and I put it on a tile, and uh, now it's starting to sprout some branches. So nice. I, I might uh, be able to take a little frag of that and stick it in a, uh, one of my display tanks again. But uh, I don't know, maybe let's just start encrusting again. <laughs> yeah, Adam's, Adam's a good dude. He's got some really nice pieces out there. I, he was one of the first um, one of the first guys and vendors out there that got some of the PC corals when I was first putting them out. So, yeah, we had traded for a bunch of equipment. He had a bunch of stuff he was trying to trade. I'm like, all right, I'll trade you some corals for them. Oh, got a bunch nice. of hallowed equipment. Right. Yeah. Um, what was somebody else? Um, oh, yeah. Um, Crumbed it a dumb, don't see many purple caps anymore. I used to have um, a purple cap that I had next to an orange cap and an orange cap or, and a green cap. And that was like a really cool look, you know, like multicolored yeah. uh, caps. That's, um, yeah, wrapped them in there. Yeah, the purple cap was a Lang Sai. Yes, the purple yep, rim. Beautiful. Or the green yep. rim, green rim, purple uh, cap, right? Oh, no. I think it was green, it green, was green, green with a purple rim. Right, green with a purple rim. Yeah. That thing grew like a weed, though. That's the problem with the caps. Is They're beautiful, but you need a very large system for them. Yeah, I have. Um, I I took a um, I don't know, like a four or five inch frag of an orange cap that I put at, at um, the end of my peninsula tank, and and now it is uh, taking up a large yeah. amount of real estate. My clowns have like um, decided to host it, so it's it's pretty cool. I mean, it's like multi layer, and and uh, you know, it's serving a purpose because it's just it's you know it's uh, it's coral and it's helping to you know absorb the uh, the nutrients in the tank so it's uh, it's good i love it it's beautiful it's orange it's bright orange i mean that's my thing i love bright yeah bright color yeah. corals the corals are growing they're doing well they're it's really good until they start you know messing with your flow and eating up all your uh elements and whatnot and that's <laughs> a lot of people don't really plan for that everybody wants their corals to grow and take off but what do you do when they're you know becomes a big uh chore um sean maybe said like adam's fish poop coral yeah and great bird of reef is uh, pointing out it's the uh, it's Adam's uh, fairy food. I think that's what he's got listed for a million bucks on his website. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, any, any uh, favorites from Adam? Uh, you know, nothing really comes to mind. I've got a few of my pieces on there. I don't know if I've got any of his stuff in there. I really don't have 
anything really named in the system. I've got the standard Digis. I've got the standard, you know, Slimers. I've got the Red Planet. Uh, there's a Pearlberry in there. But Love everything the in my Pearl system Berry. is, yeah, it's all old school stuff. And that's that's what I like. It's everything that was added in there was uh, purchased locally. You know, you know, it's cheap. Pop them in there. They look good. Just stuff I'm familiar with. Uh, it's really hard to follow a lot of the corals that are out there these days with the wild colors. So no, uh, no home records or Walt Disney's no, for you. No, no, they they would just get lost in the shuffle. I mean, I'm more about the entire system, about thing as a whole, than as the individual corals. So when when you were um, running pro corals and bringing in you know some of the um, were you bringing in wild corals too besides uh, the mariculture or just mariculture? Yeah, yeah, there was wild corals coming in. Um, the PC Superman that was a wild coral, um, and you know believe it or not, it's the SPS did well for me, but the the thing where I you know sold the most were zoanthids. Oh really? Yeah, zoanthids were just crazy, especially the rastas. People back then they loved them; they couldn't get enough of them. And uh, they were all the rage. You know, I don't know how big they are these days. You know, they've gone through many iterations. We've had, what, zoanthids and acans at one point and then chalices. And I don't even know what the rage is now. I didn't notice. Is it bubble corals? Yeah, it might be the um, yeah bounce bounce mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a big uh, thing. I, I didn't notice. Do you have any zo uh, zoas in the tank? Yeah, I've got them down at the bottom. I keep them down to fill them some space. Uh, every system I've had has had zoanthids in there, so... I've got the Rastas, I've got the uh, Utter Chaos, um, I've got maybe some Jokers, a few different things in there, Eagle Eye, um, I think some Bam Bams, you know, whatever my local oh, you're, you're, shop you're, has. You're throwing out a lot of the names down there, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, <laughs> those guys are named down there. It's I don't think you can find any no-name Zoanthids. I'd be a little worried about putting those, some of those guys in there. I've gotten a taste of some of that before, and it doesn't feel good, make you quite sick. No, I've never had. Well, I probably had them in in my uh, tanks at some point in time. The um, yeah. the paleys, but um, yep. you know, zoanthids. Uh, when I be, before I uh, rebooted my tank, man, they just I had a couple of different zoanthids, and they just like went hog wild in that tank and yeah. carpeted the floor and just ran up the rocks and all that stuff. What a pain <laughs> in the ass, you know. And you got to keep on. You got to keep on that stuff. Yeah. Also, it's just like overwhelm everything. And LPS in the tank, you know, you've got some nice uh, mix in terms of the, uh, not a lot, but. I've got a small frog spawn in there um, that's been growing. But other than that, no, nothing really to speak of on the LPS front. Got you. So, Sonny, man, any uh, anything else that we uh, we missed that you wanted to mention? You know, we, uh, we kind of. Dove deeper into the uh, the carbon dosing stuff and the uh, and the coral snow. No, it seems like the uh, carbon dosing is really um, starting to come back. You know, it was a little gone for a little while. A lot of you're seeing it featured in a lot of areas again, and um, you know, I think it's definitely worth looking at, especially with you know the, the different filtration methods you can do nowadays. You know, I've kind of done it all with from refugiums, turf scrubbers to you know, you name it to run the GFO and the pile pellets and whatnot. And, you know, the easiest and the most advantageous method I've found has been carbon dosing. It's just so much easier than having to, you know, trim the refugium, do the scrubber, mess with anything else. Right. And so you're not adding any other kind of traces other than the stuff you mentioned. No, uh, yeah, no, no individual yep. trace elements. Yeah. I've got it on my Instagram. I've got a little, uh, spot pinned up there with my dosages the uh all for refill add just about everything i need in there so remind folks how to find you on uh on instagram it's is it reefsite.com is that what it is 
Yep, uh, I'm at ReefSite, so R-E-E-F-S-I-T-E. So you can find me on Instagram on there or on Facebook under the same handle. I don't have much posted up on YouTube. I plan on adding some more stuff in the future, maybe a few how-tos. I've had a number of people asking about that. So if I can get the time, I definitely want to do that. Won't be anything as uh, polished up as your stuff, but <laughs> it'll be it'll be up there. And then I'm also, uh, I go by Sunny X on the Reef forums. So I've got a number of... Uh, number of threads and things going on over there on reef to reef. So you can always find me hanging out there. Great group of uh, people over there. Including uh, the uh, protocol for the coral snow. Yep. Doing the protocol. There's a whole 40 plus page uh, thread going on there. All right, man, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to read through that and I'll reach out to you with any, uh, any questions on that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just uh, got some stubborn cyano that I've uh, been fighting there. And, and um, yeah, it's uh Always an interesting battle with, with the cyano, but sounds sounds like some folks have had some pretty good success with that method. So, yeah, it's worked out pretty well. Um, all right, dude. Well, listen, Sonny, thank you so much for uh, for taking some time to uh, to share your um, your your story here in terms of the reef keeping and 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 the journey. So, we really appreciate having you on, and um, definitely see a lot of people. Um, we're uh we're, we're we're digging the uh the conversation so thanks man uh, and and just um also want to thank the um sponsors for the show both bulk reef supply and ecotech marine i also want to thank all you folks out there for tuning in and contributing to the conversation and uh also a big thank you to paul the moderator who is also the president of the boston reefer society please join and support your local reefing clubs they are so important to this hobby. And finally, I also want to let you know that all episodes of Rapid Reef Farm are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. So my next Rapid with Reef Bump episode will be on Thursday, July 13th, next week at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Tony Vargas, who is an author, lecturer, consultant, and a self-described reefaholic. So that should be another Great, <laughs> great show. If you want to check out the full upcoming schedule um, of guests, go to reefbum.com under the YouTube section. So until then, be safe and be well. We'll see you next time. Later.